what I want to do is kind of paint a little bit of a picture as kind of what we've been doing as a church. Uh, my family and I moved down from Charlotte, North Carolina, where I was on staff at a church uh, for about five years. We moved down at the end of April uh, to the city of St. Augustine because that's the city that God had put on our hearts. We had about four other families move down with us. And since you know, we landed, we've just been connecting with other just Bible-centric churches in our city. Uh, in our city of St. Augustine, about 65% of our city and our community, uh, they, they don't know Jesus. And so we can't have enough Jesus or, you know, Bible-preaching churches in our city. And so God had just stirred on our hearts to move down there. And as part of our launch series, we launched on January 10th, and as part of our launch series, uh, we looked at this whole idea of just Jesus being an anchor, an anchor of, of really love, that in John 3.16, we see that, you know, Jesus is an anchor of love for us. We see that he's also an anchor of hope in Hebrews chapter 6. Uh, last week at, at church, we looked at this whole idea that, that Jesus is, that there's an anchor of grace in our life. And tonight in Matthew chapter 14, what we're going to look at tonight is, is this idea that, that Jesus, he's an anchor for our faith as well. That it's the actions of faith, that it's faith in itself that leads us to do really some extraordinary things, not under our own power and not for our benefit, but under the power of the Holy Spirit so that God can receive the glory. And so if you're going to walk out of here tonight, and if you're like, just tune me out the rest of the night, I want you just to remember this very simple sentence. And the simple phrase or sentence is this, is that steps of faith require courage. Great steps of faith require great steps or great courage, great steps of courage. And so as God is calling us out, and it might be to go next door and to reconcile with our neighbor. It might be to call that family member that we hadn't talked to in 10 years. Whatever God may be calling us to do, it requires great courage. And for us to be faithful, we're going to have to wrestle with that. And so I want to kind of start off with a very simple example you see, as a young teenager, I was very much into skateboarding, and this was growing up in Texas, and my buddy Jody and I, we got this great idea because his parents were gone for the weekend, so parents, keep your kids busy during the summer, right? And so here we were, we, were, we had this backyard, about a two-acre backyard, and we had this bright idea, we're going to build a half pipe. okay? Now, I'm not going to tell you, tell you how we got the wood, we're just going to say we had acquired some wood. Okay, very small town, but we had acquired all the materials free of charge. And so we started building this thing. It took about three days. Again, his parents were out of town. Uh, and so we built this half pipe. It was a six foot tall, uh, 12 foot wide. I mean, it was a great half pipe, a half foot of vert. And so came, here comes the day where we finished building it. We're like, okay, let's flip a coin. Who's going to go first? That was me. I'm first. I was pretty excited about it until I actually got on top of this six foot tall half pipe. And I've never ever done any ramp skating in my life. Had talked about it. I was more of a street skater. I'm like, okay, we're going to do it. And so I put my board down and I had my, you know, nice ramp board, had the tall ramp wheels and we're just ready to go. And I put the board down. I'm standing on the tail and I'm thinking, yep, that's, I'm, I'm pretty much up here. And, and if, you've, if you've ever been skating, you kind of know that, you know, there's an element of physics involved, right? That gravity is involved. And I remember just sitting up there thinking like, okay, if I'm going to commit, I'm going to commit because if I don't slam this board down and if it doesn't make contact with the ramp, I'm going to fall back. I'm just going to wipe out. My buddies are going to make fun of me. And if I go too far forward, I'm just going to roll off. And again, buddies are going to make fun of me. And I remember what seemed to be like, you know, hours and it was all wrapped up in about 15 seconds. 
So I'm standing up there, and I got the board on, and like most teenagers had no clue to wear like, you know, knee pads or elbow pads. My buddy threw me in a helmet, thankfully, put a helmet on, strapped it on, and I'm like, here we go. And I just drop in, and I just, I just rolled down this thing and just wiped out, right? And, you know, we're kind of laughing, and I'm thinking, like, dude, my arm, you know, I didn't break it or anything, but I remember, like, my arm was all jammed, my fingers were swelling, I'm like, this is going to be hard to explain to my mom, because she had no idea what we had done. You know, it's one of those things where you're in middle school, and this is just what you did on the weekend. But I remember, you know, this whole idea of just taking this step, this courageous step, I wanted to accomplish something, I felt like, man, I need to drop in on this half pipe and do this, and it took a great amount of courage. Now, weeks later, I'll, you know, as I'll finish that story out, but weeks later, ended up dropping in. And the very first time I dropped in, here I am going. I'm like, okay, I dropped in. What do I do now? You know, and I come up on the other side, and, you know, then my board hung up, and I fell off the other way. So <laughs> it was a learning lesson, but it took a great amount of courage to take that step. And I know, I know many of us have taken steps like that in our lives, and maybe it was skateboarding, but maybe it was something. Maybe it was some sort of an adrenaline-type rush. But nonetheless, we've taken these types of steps in our lives. Well, we're going to look at in Matthew chapter 14. I'm sure you're familiar with this story, but we're going to look at this whole idea of Peter stepping out in faith. And really during a time of turbulence and, you know, what was going on in, in the sea and the waves were kicking up. But as we're looking at Matthew chapter 14, I want to put it in a little bit of context since we're not doing a through the book of this Bible study, kind of paint a little bit of context. But at this point in time, Jesus had just finished feeding, you know, over 5,000 people miraculously. You know, prior to that, you know, John the Baptist had been beheaded and he went off to go be by himself. And in being by himself, people just followed him. People just followed Jesus wherever he went. And so here he was off by himself to kind of probably reflect on the moment and the time he had with John and, and what that all meant. But nonetheless, he was by himself, saw that there was a multitude of people there. And instead of coming out and saying, go away, it says in the scripture that he had compassion on them. And so as he was moved with compassion, he began to minister and he began to miraculously feed this 5,000. Now that's a whole other sermon, but it paints a picture for what we're going to see in the scripture. Because we see in chapter 14, verse 22, it says, Immediately Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side, while he sent the multitudes away. And again, Jesus was here. He had finished feeding the multitudes, the 5,000. He finished all this, and he got the disciples. He says, guys, get in the boat. You're going to get in this boat, and you're going to go across the Sea of Galilee. You're going to go to the other side. And it says in the Scriptures, you're going to go. It says, go before him. Which now, if you're reading that, presupposes that Christ is going to follow at some point in time, which he is. But if we, now if we look at verse 23, I want you to check this out. It says, it says, and then when they, when they had sent the multitude away, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. So Jesus, at this point in time, again, had sent the multitude away. He now sent the disciples. He got them on this boat. They're on their way over to the other side. He says, hey, I'm going to be over there a little bit later on. But here's the reason why he did all this. He wanted to spend some time by himself praying. You see, Jesus sent them all away, and he kind of got back to that quiet time. He'd been doing a lot of ministry at this point. But it's interesting to see that Jesus, who was 100% God and 100% man, that in his humanity needed this time with the Father. 
In fact, when everything kind of calmed down, this was the time where he spent with his father. David Guzik has this uh, quote, and he says, in the midst of this great ministry that Jesus had been performing to others, it says he did not and he could not neglect prayer. And it makes me wonder that, you know, the things that maybe you and I do, maybe ministry related or the good things that we do for the people in our community, are we neglecting, neglecting prayer in our lives? You know, it's just a reminder for us to hit pause and to think that as we go through our day-to-day lives, that you and I have to consistently and constantly remember and to make space for God to move and to speak to our hearts. We need that. We were designed with that type of interaction in mind. And so you have this nice picture here, and it's a contrasting picture, but you have this nice picture of Jesus now communing with the Father prayerfully here. Again, there's no distractions, nothing going on. He's got the disciples. He's got his boys on that boat. They're going across here, the the sea. And you have this very peaceful setting. It's quiet. And the Lord is spending time with his Father. But in contrast, in verse 24... Read this, it says, But the boat was now in the middle of the sea, tossed by the waves, for the wind was contrary. So you have this whole idea, this this picture of Jesus in this very nice, serene, peaceful environment. But over here, you got his, his boys, his guys, in this chaotic environment, on this boat where it's being rocked back and forth and the waves are going crazy. And I don't know about you, if you've ever been out on a boat when the when you know it's rough out there, it gets kind of nerve-wracking, right? And if you're a father like me and you want to take your kids out, the wife's like, "Mm, not a good idea. Leave them on the shore. You can go out there and be crazy. But, you know, it gets kind of uneasy for us when we go out there. And so we've got this whole idea that the disciples were now on this boat. Things were turbulent. The water was just moving this whole thing up and around. And it's very hostile, very contrary, as the scripture says. And then we see in verse 25 here, it says, Now in the fourth watch which was about 3 to 6 a.m., somewhere in that time frame, of the night Jesus went to them walking on the sea. Now, I'm kind of sitting here, and I'm, you know, as you kind of read Scripture, it's, it's fun for me, as I hope it is for you, to kind of look in there and think, like, what would I do in this situation? I'm in this boat, you know, rocking around, and I see, like, this, this person, this individual, this entity walking on water. You'd be a little disturbed, right? And you'd be thinking, like, what is going on here? We're out in the middle here, and I think I see something. I hope it's good. You know, and you, all sorts of things begin to go through your mind. And so you, you see this again. It's during this difficult moment, it's interesting to see that Jesus was coming to them. And to me, it, it's, it's great encouragement that no matter what steps of faith you may be called to take in your life, they don't need to compare to someone else, but whatever God's called you to do, whatever he's called me to do, as we take those steps, as we venture out into hostile, contrary waters, as our life, our boat begins to rock, that Jesus is in our midst. And this is the encouragement for us as we see unfold in the scriptures. Now, check verse 26 out. It says, And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were all troubled, saying, It's a ghost. And they cried out in fear. Or for fear. And I think sometimes, you know, I'm like, how could they, these guys have been around Jesus. I mean, they were just with him. They just spent all this time. How could they just not know that was Jesus? 
And then I kind of started reflecting in my own life that when there's been times and difficulties in my own life and steps of faith when you're, you're walking out and, and things are just getting kind of crazy, man, sometimes I lose sight of the fact that Jesus is in my midst. Maybe I forget or maybe other things become front and centered, but I lose sight of that. And so now I go back and look at the scriptures like, man, yeah, they were looking at the here and now. They were looking at the troubles that this boat was rocking all over the place. And maybe for us, those troubles are financial or relational, but we get those same types of troubles in our lives. And we can lose fact that and, and sight that Jesus is right there in our midst, even though they were just with him even though that I may have just been with him in my prayer closet or just been with him studying the word. And when things happen, we can lose sight of that fact. But verse 27 says this, says, but immediately Jesus spoke to them saying, be of good cheer, it is I. Do not be afraid. You see, in the middle of this difficult time, Jesus reassures them saying, guys, it's me. Hey, it's me, it's the Lord. Be of good cheer. Now, you might be thinking, okay, that's, that's easy to, to, to say, and yeah, we just need to be of good cheer. But these guys are thinking like, man, we're probably going to drown out here. You know, things aren't looking so good. And, and maybe, you know, you've been in situations where you're thinking like, we may not be able to pay the mortgage next month, or we might be going through some great difficulty. How can I be of good cheer? Well, as we said, as we step out in faith, and as we land in turbulent, hostile waters that are contrary in life, that the Lord is in our presence. That is what we need to stay fixed upon. That is what we need to be looking at. And, and it's a reminder that, that the Lord, as we see in the scripture, that he says, be of good cheer, guys. I'm here with you. That he was there with these guys, with his disciples during this time. And again, it's a reminder for you and I that he's with us right now. You know, if we get that phone call tomorrow or, or, or next week, or we get the bad news, he's, he's there with us. And that's the, the, the beauty of having a relationship with Christ grounded in the word of God. He doesn't promise life's going to be easy, but he promises he'll be here with us. And I think on the other side of our last breath on earth, when we're in eternity, we're going to see that our time in eternity eclipses the pains and struggles that we've gone through in life. That believing in Jesus and having ourselves just anchored in faith in his word and having that an anchor for our life makes all the difference. Now, I love Peter, and I, and I hope some of you too, do too, because you, we, I can just identify with the way that he acts. Check this out in verse 28. It says, and Peter answered, because Peter's always going to speak up, right? And he says, and Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it's you, command me to come to you on the water. And I know it says on the water, not in the water. It says on the water, right? So we're all following along here. But Peter says, Lord, if it's you, I see you. If it's you, command me to come on the water. And he's like, this is going to be cool. This is going to be an amazing thing that, that, we're gonna, that I'm going to get to do. That I'm, I feel like, man, if that's the Lord, I'm going to step out. Because here's the thing. I'm on this boat, and I'm not liking this. Chances are it's probably taking on water. And you're thinking like, man, this thing's going to sink. And if Jesus is standing, that's where I want to be, right? Because you just, he gets a picture of Peter probably thinking like, that's a safer place than where I'm at right now. But here we see that, um, you know, the Lord, in this case, kind of represented safety and, uh, and that this earthly vessel that they were in, man, it was earthly and it was going to maybe fall apart. I mean, who knows what Peter was, was thinking? But nonetheless, he speaks out. He says, Lord, if it's you, command me to come to you 
on the water, not in the water, but on the water. And so Peter didn't just hop out of the boat when he saw Jesus. Hey, it's the Lord. I'm taking off. He didn't just go do that. He waited for the command, which is always interesting in our lives when we see Jesus and we're following Jesus and he commands us to do something that we wait on the command that we're obedient to the word and we're obedient to the spirit in the leading and how he speaks to us. But here we see Peter waits on that. And it reminds me that even in my own life, that there's times where, man, I could take the first solution or the second solution because, man, those will work. I'll just do those. And, man, we'll just kind of, we'll mop it up and clean it up later. And these, these will be good, safe solutions. But the right solution is to wait on the Lord's timing. And there's been countless conversations that I've had, you know, whether it's marriage counseling, pre-marriage counseling, a lot of it has to do with the Lord's timing. And even in my own life, when I look back at the things that weren't so great, it all comes back to the timing of the Lord. When I act on my own accord, when I don't wait on the command to go, and it's done through the flesh, then the results aren't as always good as they should have been or maybe could have been if I would have waited simply on the command of the Lord. And so the whole idea here is that there is no shortcut to seeking the Lord in a situation. That you and I, man, we can't shortcut it. We can't say, Lord, I'm going to give you two days, and if I don't hear something, I'm just going to step out. No, if you need a way to hear, then you need a way to hear. Or maybe he's already given you the answer, and you're just waiting. And so there's always this tension. And, you know, the number one question I would get either in student ministry and now even as uh, just leading our church is, you know, well, what is God's will for my life, and, and what do I do? And I'm like, hey, you know, that's a great question. You know, I can't systematize that for you. I can't give you a checklist to follow. You have to follow the Lord. Peter here waited on the command. But I love Peter. He says, command me, Lord, command me, Lord, to come to you. And so Peter demonstrates his crazy, bold faith. Now, there were other guys on the boat, but no one else was speaking up. And so how many of us, I think, would declare in our own lives? You know, we see Jesus there in a difficult time in our lives, but we're saying, instead, I think a lot of us, instead of saying, like, Lord, command me to follow you, it's, Lord, help me. You come to me and help me instead of me coming to you. You come to me to help me. And, and, and I love the, the picture here that we see this anchor of faith that, that Peter faithfully follows the Lord, even though it doesn't make sense. It's scary. And I'm thinking, like, back in the day and the men wore, like, sheets. That's not the easiest thing to swim in. And, and I wouldn't want to be in the water and trying to swim in that because, again, that's not the easiest thing to swim in. And so the command, you know, it, it, Peter was just bold. He said, Lord, command me. Command me, Lord. I'll go. I'll do it. And so here it is. Verse 29. It says, so he, the Lord, Jesus said, come, <laughs> come. And when Peter had come down out of the boat, he walked on water to go to Jesus. And so the word come there, you go to the original language, means to follow, to step out. And so Peter was invited because, you know, Peter said, Lord, command me, command me to come to you. And Jesus said, all right, come on. Come on, Peter. Now, Peter could have said, he could have put a skateboard down and been like, mm, I don't know, man. This looks a little scary, Lord. You know, you want me to step out and these, the waves are a little bit crazy. I can't barely see land. And now that I'm thinking about it, I don't know if I want to do that. I'm sure there was probably an element of that struggle. But also know that Peter demonstrates great faith here. He does step out. 
he does step out. So Peter was invited to step out. Jesus said, all right, Peter, come on. Come, come out here. I'm giving you the command. Follow me, Peter. Follow me, Peter. In the middle of these wind-driven waves, your boat's going all over the place. I'm standing right here. Come to me, Peter. Come do it. And we see here this whole idea of faith being developed. And I think sometimes we think of the definition of faith, and I think a lot of us have heard it this way. But I, but I want to camp on this point just for a minute. But I think a lot of us look at faith, and we, we think of it as a definition of believing even though you don't have evidence. And that's a decent definition of faith. I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. But I think in context, I'm going to push a little bit on this definition. Again, in context, and I want to define it for us in a different way tonight. That faith is obeying in spite of the, the consequence. Let me tell you, Peter's standing here on the side of the boat. He's saying, like, all right, dude, like if I go to you, man, I mean, if they don't put a rope on me, they may not find me. You know, I'm going to, who knows where I'm going to end up. But if I step out here, there's a consequence and there's, there's a danger that if this doesn't work out, man, I'm going to be more than just, you know, looking like a fool. I'm going to be dead. Maybe I'm going to drown. I don't know what's going to happen. But God is calling me, and so man, he's wrestling in his heart. And he's like, okay, I, I've got to go. I've got to, I've got to step out and do this. And so faith, as we see it here, in, not only in the Scripture, but even in our own life, it's developed during times of struggle. You know, I can look at my own life when things are going great. I can't really look to those times and say, well, my faith was really challenged when there were no struggles in my life. Oh, man, it was great hasn't happened to me yet. Maybe it's happened to you. But I look at my own life, I'm thinking like, there's just no way. For me, faith in my own life, personal application for me, I share it with you, but faith in my own life has been developed during struggles. Well, Lord, I did the Excel spreadsheet. And I'm not sure how it's going to work, but you said go, so I'm just going to get rid of the Excel spreadsheet. Okay, let's just go do this. And if we're being called to take a step of faith, if the Lord has commanded us to do this, then we can be confident that the Lord is there. So step in faith. Step in faith. And so we see in the scripture, it says that Peter, he walked on water. So Peter, man, one of the coolest things that he did here, he's now like really cool among the guys here because he's done something that none of the other guys have ever done. It's simply because he's being obedient to the command of God, to the command of Jesus. And so he walked on water, and I love this. Catch this little nuance here. Go back to that, that verse. Because Jesus says, this, so he said, come. So Peter walked on water because he had faith in the word of Christ. Christ spoke to him, said, Peter, come. So Peter did it. it says in Matthew, or says in verse 30, it says, but when he saw that the wind was boisterous, he was afraid. And, began, and beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. And so we see here that, you know, Peter was walking on the water and the, and the, the, the waves are boisterous and they were just, the wind was strong. The, and it was probably a scary thing because it says in the scripture that he was struck with fear that now he was walking on water. He was doing something miraculous, but now he let a little thing like wind and some waves scare him. I think the same thing happens in our life. Then we take steps of faith and we're doing something miraculous. Maybe it was a, a, you know, a healing from an addiction of some sort or something that God did in our life that was miraculous and we know it, but we let a little thing like finances or we let a little thing like a relational you know, thing going on. We let these little things take our focus off what God has done in our life in a miraculous way to change us 
to focus on these little trivial things. And, you know, Peter walked on the water, and I love this quote from uh, Bruce. He says, Peter walked on water but feared the wind. He was doing something miraculous but feared the wind. And it says, such is human nature. That had no doubt in a room like this, God has done some miraculous things in your lives and the lives of people in here and in my lives. Yet we let a little thing like wind or little things pop up in our lives that causes us to take our focus off following Jesus. But here we see, you know, we've got these problems. Peter's now walking out and he's beginning to sink and he says, Lord, save me. And let me translate that for you. It means to save me. It means, man, this, this isn't going good, man. I need you to save me. I need help. I can't do this on my own. My floaties don't exist. I left them on land. And so Peter at this point is saying, Lord, save me. Save me. Save me from destruction. In a moment when he was sinking, what did he do? He cried out to the Lord. He cried out to the Lord. Now notice in verse 31 it says, And immediately... Jesus stretched out his hand and caught him, and he said to him, Oh, you have little faith. Why did you doubt, Peter? And, and again, we see, you know, as he was sinking, as he stepped in faith and walked on the water, but now was in the water, Jesus immediately stretched out his hand to Peter and caught him. And so during the times that, that we need help or guidance from the Lord, man, this is the, the word for us here is that you and I can be confident that he's there. That if we're truly following the Lord's will for our life and things suddenly don't go right, we wake up one morning like, uh-oh, we have an issue. I'm, I'm starting to sink in this water that I've been called to walk on. The Lord is there. And Jesus in this same, in this picture and what we see in the scripture, he was there with an outstretched arms. Peter didn't have to do some magical thing. He didn't have to say a prayer in a certain way. He just said, Lord, help me. And relationally, the Lord was there. Jesus was there reaching for him. It says in uh, verse 32, it says, and when they got into the boat, the wind ceased. I think that's a cruel joke. We'll talk about that in a second. It says, then those who were in the boat came and worshiped him, saying, came and worshiped Jesus, not Peter, saying, truly, you are the Son of God. Now, as soon as Jesus gets Peter into the boat, the wind ceases, and I'm thinking, like, man, that's just cruel. What? That's just wrong. I mean, Jesus, why would you do that to Peter? I mean, he stepped out. I mean, you, you commanded him and he followed you and, and he stepped out and he was sinking and then you bring him here and the wind stops and these other guys, they're, they're laughing at him because now he's soaking wet and it's just kind of an interesting situation. But I love that when they landed in the boat, the guys weren't thinking like, dude, high five and Peter, like, man, you were walking on water, bro, man, this was, this was amazing. You didn't need a surfboard, but you were surfing. With your feet, man. It was the, the, the coolest thing we've ever seen. No, it says in the scripture that everyone was fixated really upon Jesus as opposed to what Peter did. It says that they saw Jesus and they began to worship him. They said, truly, you are the son of God. There was no doubt in this situation that even Jesus to the disciples, to these gentlemen, that he was revealed again, time and time again, but even in this case right here again, as a son of God. 
that what had happened was miraculous, even though they just fed 5,000 people, and now he's walking on water, and he just saved Peter, but time and time again, we see this revealed. But here's the deal, is that when, it, when, when God calls us to take a step of faith, here's the thing that we have to get, that when God calls us to take a step of faith, it's for his glory and not ours. Think about that. You don't read in the Bible like, well, Peter did such an amazing thing when he followed Jesus that all the disciples were like, man, you are an amazing guy. Truly, God is going to use you in the future in the book of Acts. That's not what they were saying, right? They all focused on Jesus here. But when God calls us to take a step, even if when we sink, even when we have to cry out to Jesus for help, he receives the glory. He receives the affection and the attention. And that's how we know we're following the Lord. If it becomes about us, then I would, hit, I would encourage you and encourage myself that we have to hit the pause button. That it has to be about the Lord and the Lord's work in our life because the Lord will do things that bring glory to himself, not to man, not to created. And this is what we see time and time again in the word of God. You see, when we look at the scriptures, we can see that there are typically two storms um, that we can see come uh, in our lives as believers. We know the story of Jonah and, you know, we, how he got in a well. We see that there's a storm of correction, that the Lord will use storms and use circumstances in our lives to bring us correctively back to where he wants us to be. Not to pin us down with the thumb and thump us or anything like that, but just to really bring us correctively to where he wants to be. And then the second storm, which is what we see here, is a storm of perfection. It's a storm to develop us. Now I wonder, and I speculate here, and it's an opinion, you know, but when I look at this, it encourages me. And you know, I think about when Peter was restored after Christ was, uh, you know, he was resurrected and he came back and he spent time and, and, he, and he cooked the meal and he, and he restored Peter. I wonder if Peter put all these things together and really understood what it meant to follow Christ. That there were going to be times in his life when he was following the Lord, and maybe he didn't, maybe it wasn't so successful, but he was following what God called him to do, and, and, and the Lord was there with him. And then there was times where the Lord had called him to do something, and, and the Lord was there, and there was immense blessing, and, but nonetheless, the Lord was with him wherever he went. And it's a reminder for us as well that when storms come in our life, and I think that the, the, the number one thing uh, that we, in our American Christianity, that we run from, none of us like storms of correction, right? Those aren't any fun, but we don't get to really control those. But when it, becomes, when it comes down to storms of perfection, when we're, our faith is being perfected, most times it's easy to run from those. Peter could have said, no, I'm not stepping out. Mm, not me, I'm going to let somebody else speak up. Or we're just not going to even do it. It could have ended a whole different way. But maybe in your life and in my life, storms of, 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 of really perfection where God is working on us, it's easy to let those just skate by. But I believe God brings those to my life. And I'm not going to speak for yours, but I believe he brings them to my life to remind me, because I can get stubborn sometimes, that I need to, in all seasons, trust in him. Even when I don't have the answers, even when it was half of what I thought it was going to be, whatever the case may be, whatever the struggle may be, to really embrace this time of perfection and to really let the Lord be there and to minister and to work on me. That the storm is to bring the Lord 
glory, and, and not necessarily me, but he's working on me so that he can get glory. And so the key to overcoming storms, as Warren Wiersbe says, in our lives is to simply believe the word of God and keep looking to Jesus. So if you're going through a storm or if you one kicks up tomorrow to simply, you know, if you want to overcome it, to, to simply believe the word of God, believe what we read in, in the scriptures and, and keep looking to Jesus. Spurgeon says this, and I'm going to close our time out here. He says, our doubts are unreasonable. Wherefore didst thou doubt? If there be reason for little faith, there is evidently reason for great confidence. If it be right to trust Jesus at all, why not trust him altogether? And I think it's such a fitting close for our time this morning that what God has called you to and what Jesus is calling you towards, to continue pressing into that and stepping out into faith. And it could be related to parenting. It could be related to the next steps in your life. It could be related to who you're going to be with the rest of your life. I don't know what that storm is for you. I've got my own. And I've got my own challenges. But if I love Jesus, and if I follow him for my salvation, then my question to myself and my question to us tonight is why can't we follow him altogether with all of our life? And so that's my prayer for us. Trust in him with your heart. Trust in him in the difficult situations. And trust in him that as he grows you and as you struggle through that, that he is there in our midst with us.